Welcome back to The Shed, everybody. We're really glad you're here. We have a special, an exciting special episode. We're going to call Jesse from Montreal to account for some of his cruel, hurtful remarks about how the whole format is tired, is worn out. We need to bring in fresh blood because we're old, slow guys. We're going to have Jesse on here and explain himself. That really hurt. I don't... I mean, we had to pause everything to have a little cry. It was it was a little rough. But Jesse will get on here and he'll tell us about that and hopefully a bunch of other stuff that's a little less, you know, a little less hurtful to our frail old egos. Uh, we're doing it, uh, of course, virtually because he is, after all, Jesse of Montreal, not Jesse of Vancouver. So stick with us. Here we go. We think we're going to have a bunch of fun and uh, we're sure you will too. Now you were here, you, when did you go to McGill? I left in 98. And uh, well, geez, now we can do the math. I was going to ask you how old you were. 21. 21, okay. Yeah. And so what, you, I think you told us, what, what made you decide? Was it just because McGill was where you wanted to get your, uh, uh, your degree? Or? Two reasons. One, I was studying at UBC and I was studying classical music. And classical saxophones, you know... <laughs> There are two working classical saxophonists in Montreal, and they were my teachers. So it's well, I wasn't going to take their jobs. So it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really that af- an effective career choice, I guess. Um, and I also wanted to go somewhere where I didn't know anyone. I wanted to sort of reinvent myself. So I, mm-hmm. I literally showed up here with two saxophones and a suitcase. How and, uh, uh, fluent were you in French? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. And my, my, my original plan had been to come here for two years, finish my degree, and then go back. And within six months, I fell in love with Montreal and then realized that not paying attention in French was a bad idea. <laughs> Is it just my imagination, though? From time to time, when you speak, Jesse, I, I swear I almost hear a French accent. Uh, there, it's really funny because, uh, so I work in French basically exclusively, uh, write all my emails, do all my calls. Um, and because I learned everything about what I do in French, I don't know the English words for a lot of things oh, for right, what I do right. because I only learn the French words. <laughs> what is it? The microphone? <laughs> yeah, basically. But I, what, what's even funnier is the French expressions that we've stolen in English, so déjà vu, and things like that. I don't yes. know how to, I don't remember how to pronounce in English. So when I try and talk to oh. my friends, it's like déjà, déjà vu, déjà vu. I don't know how to say it anymore. So you sound all posy when you say it to an English speaker. So, okay, okay, yeah, French accent, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is related. Have you seen the Bureau? Le Bureau des Légendes? The Bureau des Légendes? No, I, I don't know sure that's, what that is. That's it. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Well, it's just kind of like a CIA-type show out of France. Oh, okay, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, the, re- the only reason I ask you that is because when, when we, we watch it, we love it. We turn on the subtitles, obviously, because neither Sue nor I speak French or understand French. But uh, but from time to time, I mean, they're just greeting each other in the office, and their names are like from our schoolbook French. So we have a Guillaume, and we have an Henri, and it's, Allo, Henri? Ici, Guillaume. <laughs> Going, I've heard that before. Moi, je m'appelle Guillaume. There's a Et lot quoi? of, there's a lot of sava. There's a lot of d'accord. There is a, there, I think the funniest thing for me moving to Quebec is that 
I barely knew any French. I took Latin instead of French in high school. I didn't even study it. So the tiny, tiny bit I had wow. uh, when I came here, it was, was completely irrelevant because no one speaks like that here whatsoever. So, <laughs> oh, of course, of course. So I had, I could understand nothing, basically nothing. So I would, and the, and the, so the music community when I arrived is very blended. So I had, I instantly had French friends and, uh, but a lot of them were, from the lower class areas and that's even worse level of pronunciation so i would you know a, a, a sentence that you would say like bonjour viens ici would be here how i viens ici so completely different nowhere near like you have well, no idea what that and everybody swallows everything exactly it's exactly. all way in the like, back of the throat. french has already swallowed your endings and then you swallow it even more and forget about it <laughs> And the, what you would get on the news is like the high French, the yeah. high Quebec French uh, versus the low class. But it's still really different. And what's very interesting is going to France with Quebecois people because Quebecois French is actually older French than France French. So yeah, it's oh, yeah. 300 you, years old or something. Yeah, and you yeah. go, so you'll go to these places and people will tear up because it will sound like their grandfather <laughs> used to speak. Or their, <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, it, it seems invert, like that should be inverted, but it's because it sort of was placed here and then frozen yeah. in time, yeah. whereas uh, France it evolved differently. So, um, Yeah, apparently some of the American, I think even a Boston accent might have a little bit of that in it. Yeah. where it's where people used to speak that way in England. So, and, so one yeah. of my uh, one of my awesome adventures with French was so I had I, I, I had started living with a French roommate, Alex, who's one of my best friends now, and he's basically the reason why I could speak French. I at one point I said to him, "Just speak to me in French. I'm going to be annoying as hell and ask you what every three words." But and we we would sit down and watch movies like comedy movies from Quebec. And pause at every joke, and he would explain the joke, and then he would explain it in French, and then I w- and we would. He was literally a saint, so I was here only a couple of years, and I, w- I needed a summer job, and he worked at an ice place, like you know when you go to the corner store and you buy a bag of ice, it was the yeah. place that manufactures and distributes. Um, and he said, "Well, they're always looking for summer drivers because it's the rush, so come in." And again, it was one of my famous say yes, and and you know, even though you don't know what's going on, and I. It, it was a, it, it's a big company. It's one of the biggest in the East Coast, actually, but it's a very family organization. So I was speaking with the son of the founder. He was, you know, saying, okay, we need rush drivers. And I said, okay, listen, I don't speak French. I don't know the Montreal at all. And I've never driven a truck, which are basically the three <laughs> things you need to do. And uh, he said, ah, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. So, <laughs> so I was sent off to like the, 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 the east of the city where no one speaks English, driving a truck in a city. I had, because this is for the kids, this is pre-Google Maps. So I had a map book on my lap trying not oh. to crash while I'm flipping pages to figure out where I'm going oh, nice. in a truck, which I've never driven before. So it was quite yeah. exciting. But it really, I mean, you want to learn a language? That's the way to learn a language. That's fantastic. Now, you have a band as well, or are you in a band still? Yeah, we, uh, we're not practicing now, of course, because uh, of the COVID stuff. But uh, yeah, still doing, we took a bit of a break. Uh, well, I joined uh, in, it was my roommate, my French roommate, Alex, and I joined in 99. And we, we, we played in France. We played the Jazz Fest here, which is huge, a few times. Um, then we sort of it fell apart and he brought it back in 2009 2010ish and and we recorded a couple more albums so it's fun it's a bunch of ex musician old guys p- 
playing for fun, but still recording and still creating rather than just playing the same songs over and over on loop. But not yeah. not like guys on the cruise ship, though. Not that old. Not that old yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> this is voodoo jazz, correct? Voodoo jazz, yeah, exactly. Are you still selling albums online and stuff? Is there a link that we should yep. be putting with our uh, website for our many thousands of listeners? All four of our albums are on uh, Spotify as well as uh, you can buy them on the iTunes store. You can buy them on Google uh, oh. Google Music. Okay. Uh, I can send you all the links. That should, Bandcamp. We should go on the website. I should go with the episode. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll find the links. If I don't if I don't find any, I'll just uh, send, you a, send you a note. Perfect. And uh, yeah, so if people listen on the streaming services, you're going to pull in probably a penny or so per ton, per album? <laughs> Ooh, less than a penny. It's pretty embarrassing. It's uh, uh, because if it's non-premium listeners, it's 0.01 penny per track played. 0.01 penny? 0.1, it's zero, 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 no, point, point 0.1 penny. Yeah. Oh, that's better. Yeah, it's 10 times better. <laughs> a tenth of I a get, cent. It's really funny. So oh we have we have four albums distributed. So they're basically everywhere. There's a, it's, a, it's a distributor. You pay 50 bucks. They put their album on, your album on all the services. And I get uh, very um, positive, happy emails every month saying, we've deposited 42 cents into your account. Oh, nice. <laughs> so the royalty checks are, are fast, and, fast and large. <laughs> They're rolling in. All right. So listeners, if you get into it, buy the buy the music as well. <laughs> Please. This should be a big bump to your revenue just being on I think uh, so. Shed Doll. Well, oh, yeah. I to think be honest, so. uh, that's why I'm here. It's basically yeah. for that. So. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it was a business it's, move. Yeah, it's just promotional at this point. <laughs> we got a lot of our guests come through like that. <laughs> and it served them all well, too. I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, really well. Hey, uh, we had an exchange of emails recently uh, about your, and it's a little bit out of season now, but still it's pretty fun, about your uh, your Halloween decorations. Yeah, that's been my, uh, my latest uh, project in my um, quest to become a local eccentric, because that's, <laughs> I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that I'll become known. <laughs> it was funny because I, I'm, probably the least hal- uh, celebration guy like i'm not i'm not bah humbug about things but i never really get into them but you know when you have little kids and they're super into stuff you don't want to be sort of poo-pooing everything so about three years ago i thought well i was doing halloween decorations and i said oh i should do a graveyard for funny things that you know just random things and so the first year i did uh, a gravestone for the phone book because of because of our phones and and I did uh, one for political uh, discourse because it was post uh, 2016 <laughs> and and I but it was very random the electric car I think was in there so every th- year one new tombstone no so ev- so the next year I I was like okay well I have to think of something so I added about two or three but they were more topical of the year and then I was starting to because my wife and I my wife works for the federal government I'm a kind of a political junkie so I was trying not to be too political and trying to keep it light but as well funny and the idea was in the end that for the parents coming along because they see you know you walk your kids down and you see the same Canadian tire decorations all the way along and and I was like I want to give them a little moment to pause and laugh and so I was trying to keep it light and then so this year I was talking, I always solicit ideas from my friends and family. And this year 
uh, I was like, wow, what am I going to do? Like, it's, <laughs> it's the craziest year. So uh, it was actually my brother, Aaron, who came up with the idea. He said, 2020 has been so bad, you need a mausoleum. So that was, uh, <laughs> so that was this year. Are the kids wising up? Like when you first started, they would have just been seeing tombstones in that scary Halloween. But by now, I wonder if they're starting to get the idea that they're jokes. Yeah, my son can get one or two of them, but he doesn't get the irony of, yeah. you know, uh, a but lot of them. But he's starting to get that you're making a joke out of Halloween, Dan. Yeah, it. yeah. No, but he, but he likes it. He puts out the bones in, in between the tombstones and he gets into it. So, so it's a way to sort of get into the holiday with them as well. So, so the funny part was my, one of my neighbors who lives down uh, halfway down the street, she does news on the morning radio for CBC for Montreal. And so she tweeted a picture out, and then it went viral in Montreal. And then I was uh, I I was interviewed on the morning show about it. Oh, so great. wow! So I cool. I did achieve my goal of being the local eccentric on yeah. the radio talking about my very cool. <laughs> nice, nice. So I was the only thing that was worrying me though is that a I have to top that next year, and b if COVID wasn't going to be fixed, I don't. I was like, well, next year I can't put anything out because it's not funny anymore, you know. So, yeah, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm I think, feeling and, positive. You know, so. it's just. Uh, is it going to take too long? Yes, but the the vaccines here, it's gonna, it is going to change things a lot, and it's going to be a number of months. Well, I said uh, I was telling people if COVID gets fixed by next Halloween, I was going to do a, an obelisk to to COVID. Nice. <laughs> That'll be good. Um, is there, uh, hey, do you have any advice for the shed dogs on production values? Oh, no, I love it. You guys, I, I'll, I'm going to be honest. You guys have nailed it. Seriously. Uh, I was talking to my uh, business partner about it, Max, and saying, you have, you guys are the perfect, the, the, the perfect show. You've got the, the three personalities that blend perfectly. Uh, the, the, the humor is great. I, I know why everyone was pushing you to do this in the first place. It's, uh, oh, I'm, thank hu you. I'm humbled to nice. be a part of it. Nice of you. I, I was wondering what you were going to say there. I thought, what is he talking about? <laughs> I think you could add more uh, special effects and cool music, but you know. And apparently we could add way more of Lee from Courtney's content, Jesse. So you want to speak was, to that now yeah, that you're right here, right here with true. us now, huh? One huh? thing you have to do is she needs a segment <laughs> on the show where yep. she tells you all the things that you've done wrong from the previous show. I think that <laughs> because, would be great. Because, because RJ's good at reading the letters, but it's you know she's snappier than that, right? You know yes. she's... <laughs> you know she's going to put you in your place when you need it, and yes, I think yes. that's what. The, but you know, I think we got to have Leon as soon as soon as possible. So I'd I guess like you haven't been down to see your mom for no, uh, obviously not this yeah, year. Exactly. No, it's been and uh, Joanna's parents live in uh, or her her parents live down the street, but her fa her dad's family lives in Germany. So we do a. Uh, we go to Germany sometimes, and then we go to Vancouver. So it's it's usually only every couple of years anyway that we get out back out to Vancouver. But now it's been a good three or four, I think. Yeah, yeah. The last time well, we were out, my daughter uh, Clara was an infant, so it's been over three years. Huh? 
So do you suppose your mom's listened to the episode where we read out your Karen uh, email? I don't know. <laughs> I love that you I love that you put <laughs> I like that he called it out on you right to make, make it worse and we left yeah. it in. Oh, it was perfect. I loved that it. Good. I thought that was really funny too that he calls it right out. To yeah, sure, right I'm away. Have that. that was beautiful. It, it was totally deserved. <laughs> I thought maybe you would hear about it, you know, because you would be in touch around Christmas and she might actually say something like, so Jesse, about the haircut, just, you know. Yeah. Just apropos of nothing. It. Apropos of nothing. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, uh, every time I go out, I have now, uh, you know, I have my, because they're on the island now and my brother's still in, in uh, Coquitlam. So I have, we have whole, uh, whole voice. So you got a whole itinerary do. laid out before you even leave the house, basically. Yeah, exactly. Well, next time you have to do a, come in for a live session in the shed. Oh, that would be amazing. When you come through, make sure and let us know. Yeah. Oh, I will yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good, good. And because it probably will, eh? they're going to have, we'll probably get our shot at the vaccine by June, you think? I'm, um, yeah, I think by September, I, I'm saying September, October, it, most people should be, it de- I don't know, it depends on production, I guess. It all depends, like KJ and I have had more serious health problems in the past, so I'm not sure how that'll all work, and KJ, you're over 65 now. You're 66, aren't you? 65? No. Whoa, whoa, 65, whoa. yeah. This is his CPP year. That's right. Are you pulling in the the pension now, the CPP? I've applied. Good for you. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I Sue and I were just talking about that. We got the uh, frontline workers and the care homes yeah. in, in BC. I think it's probably different per province. Each province is differently, but I think it's the same here yeah. so far. Yeah. And then uh, Sue is saying she thought that maybe they would move on to teachers, but who knows what's coming next. Yeah, we'll be, well, I mean, I know my wife and I are low down the list because we're, you know, 40s in health. health Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm smack dab in the middle and maybe a little bit towards the front even. (laughs) Did you guys see Trudeau's response on that? He said, uh, if ever, whenever the day comes that uh, healthy men in their 40s are allowed, I'll be as close to the front of the line as I can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a while. Which I thought, that was a pretty good answer. I thought it just, because, you know, they're just trying to, they're asking him, is he willing to get it? And he's both saying yes, and it'll be a while. I'll yeah. wait my turn, so, yeah, exactly. What, why wouldn't he be moved to the front of the line? Oh, I'm sure he would be. But his, his response was, basically, we're going to give it on, on a need basis, so... Healthy men in their 40s are not going to have a really big need, so they're going to get served towards the end. No, but you're right, Moby. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Like, in reality, the country's leadership, there's a risk factor there. And yeah. and so th- it probably is a case for it. But the optics are so bad that yeah. I would say that he would make make a point of not being in front of line. In fact, I think if I was a, a leader of the country, I would be asking questions about can I – is it okay to take two shots? Like, give me my first inoculation the instant it comes so we don't have a leadership vacuum. And then later on, when healthy men in their 40s are getting their shots, I'll make a big public display of getting a shot along with everybody else. Um, That'd be super high risk because there's always somebody who blabs, that kind of thing. Yeah. But there is a, there's the uh, other one, Moderna as well, that's getting approved so in the States. So the more that are, and, and Canada had bought some of that one too, I think. So Yeah. 
And I just heard today that there's a whole a whole big stockpile of Moderna in the States and they're going, where's the federal? We don't even, nobody's asking for it because the federal government's job is to, yeah, and they're and busy. They're just a yeah. giant clusterfuck disaster. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know about you guys, but I was sick to my stomach the week leading up to the election. Yes. And we had, we had the two, the kids over. So there were four of us watching it. And that night uh, for everyone would have been rough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was the evening when we're getting all the direct votes and not too many of the mail-in votes. And it just wasn't the the fun that I hoped it was. Like, it was a little bit grim. <laughs> I wanted a landslide and uh, it was happening. And then the next night, we, you know, yeah. boy, boy, those networks like CNN, MSNBC, even Fox, their ratings must have been amazing. Oh, everyone was just, it was on 24-7. We were, we were yeah. going to it. Yeah. But I, what I really liked is the moment sort of, by the end of that week after, by the end of that week, the, Friday, the Saturday, Sunday, you could see the network, even Fox saying, okay, shut the fuck up. We're not listening to you anymore. Yeah. We're not even yeah. going to air your rantings. We're done. And the media moving like that, I mean, this, the, the, the Newsmax and the OAN uh, all picked up the mantle and went with the crazies, went over there. But for the rest of the world, it was like, okay, we're done with you. We're, we're not even listening to you anymore. We're finished. And yes. that for me was the, the weight off my, I felt the weight just go, okay, we're done. We're, we're, we're going to be done with him. And he can yeah. rant and he's trying to drag it through the muck now still, but everyone's like, yeah, shut up. It's going well. And you guys, uh, when he gave, when he came out and gave that speech, I can't remember if it was his very first speech when the networks had already kind of called it for Biden. And we were watching on CNN and they showed the whole speech, but, on most of the other networks, maybe even including Fox. Yeah, as soon as he was, yeah. as soon as he was lying, they cut him off. That was so fantastic. I watched. I I had uh, I think last uh, by mid two thousand nineteen. I had told myself, like I'll read news about it, but I don't want to hear his voice. It's the only thing I can control is I don't want to hear his voice. So I stopped <laughs> listening to anything that he was speaking. I would listen to people talk about what he said, and and I but. I listened to two speeches, one, the Mount Rushmore one, and two, that crazy unhinged one at the end. And they were both like, I watched them for posterity because people in a hundred years will be talking about those speeches. Like, Oh, no kidding. The, no the kidding. Mount Rushmore one is the first one where he went full on Americans are the enemy and we're going to do whatever it takes to get rid of them. And I was like, it was shocking. And then the unhinged rant one was just incredible. I mean, it was... yeah. It was like, take some speed and some, uh, what is, you know, smoke a joint and just go out there and rant, man. I'm going to rant. <laughs> it was crazy. It's been insane. There's going to be decades of people going back to Rudy Giuliani with the black stuff coming down his chin, like all that stuff, that drunk woman testifying before Congress. <laughs> it just never stops. Was, but you, but the, the thing is, though, you really do, at least I do, I, there's a couple of things I worry because the last four years have normalized such craziness that you just kind of think, I'm not really sure we're ever going back to the pre-2016 normal for political discourse or anything like it. And the other thing I think is, I mean, it's always my role to be Mr. Guy, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, they finally cut him off and everything. But I was actually thinking to myself today, how many thousands of people died because they listened to Fox and because Twitter didn't put on those disclaimers about his lies because they were afraid to, because they were making money, because 82 million people are following him. 
where's their liability in allowing him to promote stuff that caused people to die? And well, uh, it drives me insane that they waited so, so long to, to blatantly call anything out. I think there's, because there's, there's a big push right now. Uh, so one of the major problems has been the fact that the, the social media platforms have been indemnified from responsibility of what goes on their platforms. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing the tide shift. And not to be crass, but the, what happened with Pornhub this week is a great example. Because they... I, so Pornhub uh, got started getting into because porn. So Pornhub's like I don't know how much you guys know about uh, like oh they're huge. They're, Nothing they're about huge. it. What's on? I've okay. never heard of this. But it, yeah, I just exactly. realized it. Sure I just found out it's Canadian. It's a it's Montreal. What? Yeah, actually, that's another thing that Montreal does well is porn. It's the biggest. Uh, <laughs> porn is North. Montreal is Canadian. Yeah. Well, the Pornhub, company is uh, Montreal. I did not know that Montreal is bigger than L.A. for porn. It's uh, it's the uh, I don't because we we have loose morals here because <laughs> you can go to you can go to strip <laughs> okay. clubs and touch here it's because uh, it's, it's European it's European it's <laughs> European, uh, but so Pornhub was getting it so they allowed users to upload videos and 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 Pornhub is the mainstream porn site they sponsor you know people will wear their t-shirts ironically they sponsor events so they're the kind of clean ones they're the ones that are supposed to be like we're doing porn cool you know like we're yeah we're, and it's kind of um, like youtube for porn exactly and they and they but they allowed users to upload content and they there was a a, a lawsuit that was going to be that was being filed about underage uh, people and revenge porn and all this all the cd side that was being uploaded um they just cleaned house so they if you did a search on Pornhub last week there was 14 million videos and now there's two and a half they got rid of like 80% of their content that so no one that's not a professional or, or a verified uh, partner they got rid of all of it but that was just oh, hours man. after mastercard and visa stopped processing they stopped, payments exactly so but what what you're going to see i think with social media is that this is the for me i i hope I'm crossing my fingers is that this is the beginning of the end of Facebook and Twitter all putting up their hands saying, it's not our content. Yeah. Uh, because that's what they've been, they've been able, and it's the one thing that I have to give Trump is he, he has it, at, he's doing it for the wrong reasons, but taking away their ability to say it's user-generated content, it's not my content, I'm not a gatekeeper, is, which is complete bullshit from my perspective, is the way to do it. And it's, as soon as you do that, of course, you're going to kill those companies. They're not going to be, Facebook can't be Facebook without their, with, they have to check everything. So it's going to fundamentally alter them, but they have to be fundamentally altered because it, of what you're talking about. It felt right 10 years back. It really did. Yes. Like, stop, don't censor people, let people speak up. But yeah, once it became like, this is how information is disseminated, this has replaced the TV channels as the main source of news, then you are a news source and the news has to follow standards, Yeah. but Facebook doesn't yet. One of my, one of my things I do with uh, Max, my business partner, is we solve the, all the world's problems over lunch. Every lunch we have big discussions. And, but one of the things that we discussed often is gatekeeping and, and gatekeepers in general. And you know, if you go back to 1960s news broadcasts, you had three sources of information in the US. States, in the US, and you had one here. So you didn't get crazy stuff going viral through the thing. The, the flip side of it was if you weren't a white, straight dude, you weren't getting anything relevant to your, you know what I mean? There was a, the gatekeeping was intense over you weren't understanding the reality of someone else. But gatekeeping is a great thing. Gatekeeping is super important because it keeps the crazies. 
off but of the difficult the difficulty back then though too was yeah there was only those few um so-called trusted sources but if they were owned which they to some extent were like when you consider the reporting that was done in the Vietnam War and how long it took yeah. for the major networks to come clean about what their reporters were actually seeing and reporting, you know, and then you begin to consider why that took so long and what influences were being brought to bear to kind of hold back some of that information from the yeah. public. There was a lot of that going on. And, and however, there wasn't a lot of, oh, did you know that the other party's eating babies? Oh, they actually yeah. roast them on a spit. They first yeah. they burn them alive and then they eat them. Yeah. Like so, it's a matter of degree. What are we talking about? And the stuff that's been on Facebook has been just like. And the real and the real problem is so I one of my hobbies that I I don't do as much now, but I got into about three or four years ago is arguing with flat earthers on Reddit. So, which was <laughs> so much fun. Which is really fun. That's shooting ducks in a barrel. I guess. No, but it's it's impossible. And uh, the yeah, reason why yeah. it's impossible is that the people who are spreading this stuff, and, and it goes with QAnon and everything, yeah. they don't care about the truth. They don't care yeah. about facts. They care about their conspiracy. So every piece of evidence or fact against their belief is just evidence of the conspiracy. So yeah. the problem yeah. with that is that you can't rationalize with those people. You can't. There's no way to bring them into the fold you just have to close the door to them and that's why you need a gatekeeper and you need to say yeah. you know what yeah. you can be crazy on your message board of random uh, website uh, that's hidden fine go be crazy but the general public is not going to be exposed to your nonsense well, this kind of thing has gone back uh, centuries probably thousands of years so it's not a recent thing it's just that the the the, the social networks mean that it can be amplified so much more quickly exactly. yeah. i remember i got a haircut at a croatian <laughs> barber and this was back during the uh, serbian war and uh they were saying they were casually talking to each other while they're cutting my hair not to me but anyway i just overheard them saying that the, the serbs were uh, literally roasting babies on spits yeah. and that, that was that was where i got that particular example from but uh, I tend to think of the uh, wrestling. We watched wrestling in the 60s, 70s, and it's still happening now. The people who watch wrestling know that it's yeah. fake, yeah. but it's yeah. fun to not be- or to kind of believe. Like you're watching a movie, you believe for a while if, if the movie's done well. And so you're watching wrestling and you believe. You kind of know it's fake, but it's just fun. And I think that's part of what people who are in conspiracy theories, they kind of, in their hearts, they know it's fake. But you're part of a crowd and that feels good. Exactly. And a lot of them, and a lot of them are doing it as a backlash against the people who called them stupid. And yes. And, and because, you know, if you, if you look at flat earth, the, the flat earth, which is the one I was having fun with, you know, s- basic geometry from high school proves that the earth isn't flat. It's super easy, but that's the stuff that they were being made fun of when they were kids. So they're, they're like, yeah, but now I'm in the know and you're the moron because right. you're, and so yeah. I'm now part of a community and my community is smarter than your community. A lot of that happened leading up to Trump's election. Yeah. There was like, it was really, and I'm sure that I participated and it's, you're just making fun of how stupid people are. Exactly. And it sure is not the right way to go about persuading. Well, the deplorables was that, right? Like yeah. the, 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 and, and everyone thought it and knew it, but it's not the way to engage. Unfortunately, there's no way to engage other than change the subject. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with a lot of flat earthers and there's no, there's no way to bring someone back. They have to come back on their own. It's a bit like a drug addict. They're, they're, 
pleading with with a heroin addict to stop heroin is not going to stop them. No, no, it had, they it. have it's, to be it's ready. It's their choice. Yeah. Well, and that's that's going to be an interesting thing too. Like right now, there's still confrontations going on, but I wonder, you know, like on any given day in the next thirty days in America, how many hundreds or thousands of people will be folding up the Confederate flag and putting it back in the closet, and uh, how many will be you know, hanging up their MAGA hats for the last time. How many were going to let it go, right? They're just going to, they've been in this club now for four years. They've they've been exposed to all that. You guys are stupid. And every avenue that's been tried to sort of validate their mindless belief has sort of failed up to now. So will they give it up or will they just pin themselves onto some other thing? I yeah, I think when you look at the, the cults that say the world's going to end, um, yeah. And then there's a date given, and the date comes and passes. Those cults never go away. Yeah, they just pick another date. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, oh, I can see now. But I, I think it's more like something has to change with the social network. So Because this stuff's always been there, but it's no longer fringe. It, yeah. yeah. But the problem is, so that's exactly what conspiracy theorists do. They move the goalposts. That's their whole thing. They will just keep walking. There's there's a meme that I love, which is a, it's a couple uh, kids, you know, like soccer kids moving the big goal, walking, walking, like walking it down the field. And it's just like, that's every conspiracy theorist in the world is just walk with that, walk with those goalposts. Just keep moving because there's, you, you're not going to be right. And the world's not going to end tomorrow. But oh, maybe, oh no, I got it wrong. It was next week. And oh no, no, I got it wrong. It was the week after. But what I'm, curious about is is exactly pj's question is have we gone too far have we jumped have we jumped the shark of these people being able to come back or or which is scary which is super very scary well and i kind of think maybe we have because we still have lots of politicians that are feeding that original fuel they're giving non-answers to difficult questions you know that like o'toole says something horrible about residential schools to a bunch of conservative kids in a in a university someplace he gets called out on it and he just simply says, oh, yeah, no, it wasn't for education. It was for erasing their culture. But he doesn't say, I should have never said that. And he doesn't mm-hmm. say, he frames it all as past tense, you know, and it's a non-answer. It's a, for the people who are really very affected by those remarks, he gave no answer and no solace. And you sort of think that's exactly the kind of response from a politician that's got democracy to kind of where it is right now, where people just think there's a whole school of answers like that, that politicians from every party give that cause people to just shut down. Just that's not an answer. Jesse, you quit Facebook is about three months ago now. Yeah, it was uh, Zuckerberg's non-answers of the sort of, it's not my fault. And I was just too much for me. I was never a big user anyway, but I got rid of everything. I'm, I still have a Reddit account because it's uh, because you can curate what you see more, mm-hmm. and it's not an algorithm-based uh, feed. It's mm. a timeline-only based feed. So I, yeah. Or you can switch it to timeline. I don't know. I couldn't participate anymore. I got rid of everything, Twitter, Instagram, everything. I just The platforms and the way that they're constructed force you to argue with people all the time. It's just inherent in it. Yeah. Like I got... I used to be part of the politics uh, subreddit on Reddit, and I got banned three times just because I just couldn't stop. Someone would write something stupid, and you would jump in, and then it would get ridiculous. It's the, I forget what rule it is, where the internet rules something where everything, every argument devolves into someone call, uh, calling out Hitler or whatever. Yes, like, within a certain number of posts, I believe. It's, it's, it's yeah. exactly that, and I, and I was just, ty- it was tiresome. And I think right now we're, we're, we're in a, we're in a place where 
we're so far away that we can't even agree on reality anymore. And uh, Max well, and I were saying we should we want to start the the pragmatic party, like a political party that's like, let's just let's. There's tons of issues we have to work out, but let's say what's supposed to be said and and talk about it. Uh, one of my one of my things in the Karen letter was, on the West Coast, we're very. Uh, conflict averse, right? Like, yes, in, in yes. fact, in North America in general, we're very conflict averse. Adverse. Uh, one of the things that I embraced and learned and loved about coming to Montreal was that I can have a screaming match with my friend and go have a beer and be his friend tomorrow. And I didn't mm -hmm. think that was possible growing up in Vancouver. I didn't think that that was a thing that you were allowed to do. And now, what I and now I've sort of gone a bit too far to that, where I'm where I'm often <laughs> like I will say what needs to be said to people gently and uh, politely, but I'm not going to pull my punches. But directly. Say, but directly. And it changes everything, mm -hmm. especially if the other person is willing to accept it. Because the flip side of that, I have to accept all of that, right? So, And I ask people, be direct about it. Tell me I'm an asshole. It's totally fine. Tell me all of the things I did wrong. I will assume all of them. It's totally fine. And That's I fun. will make it try and make it better. But we have to be able to say that. Otherwise, we, we're going nowhere. And I've been through arguments on separation and, and the French language and with French people here in French, where if, if the, the me from Vancouver would have assumed that we would just never speak to each other again. And, right. and, and it's totally fine because as long as you're, you can be passionate, but you have to respect the other person's point of view and you have to, you have to at least give them a space to, to try and express it. But Your pragmatic party years ago in provincial politics I thought we should just have the hockey party because you'd be in the room with the guys and something that was on the news would come up in the room and it would be discussed for like five minutes and everybody would agree on whatever they thought, which was usually, you know, not anything radical or crazy. It was just they should do this, that or the other. And I came away, I used to come away and sometimes think, why is it not done this way in government? Why yeah. is that not what we are asking our representatives to do. So we should just make all our policy decisions in the hockey room afterwards. Which is literally <laughs> what, the, what especially a parliamentary democracy is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a hockey locker room where a whole bunch of dudes go in and they say, well, at the time it was dudes, but now it's supposed yeah. to be everyone, but um, go in and they, and they do that. And I, uh, I'm totally with you. I, rem I, I play hockey with a, in a league where there's some less enlightened people and you know one of them was was talking it was about a, the me too stuff right and one of them was talking about he's saying you know it's all complicated now and you don't know what to say and you know you used to just be able to like tap the waitress on the butt uh, on the secretary on the butt and be like she'd be fine i'm like dude she wasn't fine she just couldn't tell you but now she can and now you're having to deal with it and what was great was he was like yeah maybe you're right i'm like that's there you go solve the problem you know one by one Go through and be like, put it in a, because you hear, you know, people talk about it in these big terms and then you've got the people on the left who are exaggerating it as well. And, but you really just need to sit down and be like, listen, it's not that, it's not that it was cool then. It's that she couldn't yeah. tell you to, to fuck off and now she can. So yeah. And she will. And, and she by will. the way, so will your boss. And she know. should, you know, like, cause you shouldn't be doing it. But well, I don't but, normally uh, have a party membership, but when you get it going, I'll sign up. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I, I really would like to because I can't, but I think that part of it is that it's, you know, since Kennedy, it's all about showmanship now, right? So, 
Oof, since Kennedy, there's a line in the Kennedy beat the Nixon because he looked better on TV. Not just because of that. Nixon but was all sweaty. Nixon was all sweaty, and people were like, "Yeah, why would?" And like, why the hell is Ronald Reagan the president of the United States? Because he's a good-looking dude who was in movies. He was he's a moron and was probably the worst <laughs> president in modern United States history who did the most damage. But we love him because he's Reagan. So you know, like. It yeah, can't be, fair it, as soon as it's a popularity contest, you're... you're well, you're and it's, it's media influence, right? Like when yeah. Kennedy came along, TV was really, really finely everywhere. It was really saturated. And so it was suddenly way more important to be photogenic yeah. and to do those sound bites properly. And he was. Oh, man, I have to tell you guys, because you'll remember this. You remember in... The early 2000s, like the mid-2000s, those really terrible Canadian Tire ads with Mr. Canadian Tire Guy, who was always like helping to solve his neighbor's problem with the latest thing. I, you'll have to go find it on YouTube because they're hilarious. And I worked on basically every single one of those. Oh. And first of all, the funniest thing about, the, the first funny thing is none of the stuff worked. So <laughs> you would have the little vacuum and they would shove a shop vac onto the back of it so it could pick up the fake dirt that they just placed there. I mean, like nothing worked. They had the little roto tools, you know, the little roto tools. The guy would, yeah, yeah. he'd be going to cut a lock and bing, the thing would break and go flying and hit a light. And like, it was just, just a disaster. They had this, my favorite one was they had this tent. So we, we would build, so you'd shoot, you shoot night, uh, winter for summer and summer for winter, right? So uh, we'd be shooting summer stuff. Right. Right, we right, should be right. in the middle of winter in a giant uh, soundstage where they'd built a house and a lawn and trees. Um, and so they had this tent, and it was a tent that had inflatable poles. And so you could just inflate it, and it would be okay. And the whole point of the ad was it's safe because that's, you know, people are going to be like, well, it's inflatable. So we're shooting for a week, well, a bunch of different commercials. And in the corner of the soundstage, back in the corner, there's the props guy dropping this log, like test dropping this log on, on this tent to make sure that it works. And it's, it's going okay. It's going, so finally we're ready for the shot. There's fake lightning, fake rain indoors. Like it's just crazy. There's wind machines going. You know, the director's shooting through a blowhorn. Okay, drop it. And it just destroys the tent. Like just <laughs> blows it up. It was the funniest thing ever. But the directors on those... The directors on those didn't give a crap at all. I mean, they were like, this is terrible TV ads that I just want to be doing feature films. Like, I don't want to be here. So they would, they would literally be like, you know, the, the, the keeners would be the, a, the ADs and stuff. He'd be like, oh, was that good? I don't know about you. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Next shot. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Move on. We're moving on. <laughs> it was incredible. Anyway. So. God. Jesse, it has been a total pleasure talking to you. Is there anything else that you uh, that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get around to? No, it's been uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And uh, <laughs> keep I want to hear another hundred episodes, guys. Yeah, we uh, we have I think about fifty people that have asked to be on, and we just slotted <laughs> you right to the front. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first mistake. <laughs> okay, it's Holy. been it's been great, and uh, yeah. We'll uh, looking forward to getting the episode up, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Take care. Thanks, right. Jesse. See you, Jesse. Bye. See ya. Of course, we're not really saying bye. I know.
<laughs> it's funny having an expert at the other end and we're just yeah, trying exa- to yeah exactly trying no, to, no exactly what to say yeah yeah exactly well that was that was great no but super i honestly i was listen to you the minute i have a chance when it comes in i love it and i and i and i wish i had a I will, often it's in my car so i can't write emails because I, I yell at the i yell at the <laughs> podcast i'm like i know I, I have something to say about every one of your bits i think yeah we've we've heard that from uh susan of rossland from um my nephew's wife erica to the same sort of thing we had one where we were trying to figure out some sciencey question Something is something an insect or not? Oh yeah, there's been a few of those where where like I'm gr- I'm white knuckling the steering wheel. And said, no, no. <laughs> she said she said she was driving to work. The question she... was, is an insect an animal? And she's yeah, going, oh, yes. idiots. Of course it is. <laughs> she's just <laughs> shouting at the rec- radio. Just, yes, yes, it is. Uh, that's funny. PJ is going to do. You're going to do a, uh, your intros and outros. And yeah. Jesse, you're welcome to stick around for him, but it's just like you've heard them. No, no, no. I want to I wanna be here for, for it. It's one of the things that is, I've been very curious about. So I'm judging <laughs> okay. you harshly on this. <laughs> so embarrassing. And now are we going to do... So embarrassing. <laughs> well, it's just really... Are we going to do that? <laughs> this is by far my favorite part of the whole evening. I have well, and it's like, we've done a hundred episodes. I better have done the intros and outros on 75 of these episodes. And every time it's this same kind of thing. You you just think to yourself, what am I going to say? And you, you just start moving your mouth and hope. You know what you can do is, yeah, well, I don't know. No, I don't want to give you too much work. <laughs> well, I was going to say, do one intro and outro for a whole episode and then do two more intros and outros as if the, it had been split up. But that's that's over the top. Make him do it. Make him do it, RJ. <laughs> Make him do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks so much, Jesse, from Montreal for being with us. We hope that was as much fun for you as it was for us. If anybody wants to get a hold of Jesse, they can do so through us. Send us an email at wearesheddogs at gmail.com. You can catch us on Twitter. Uh, I believe it's just Shed Dogs on Twitter. Our website is www.sheddogs.ca. That's Canadian content for those of you who don't know. Nicely done. Send us, send us you know, yeah, send us an email send us a text i suspect we're going to see a lot of support for the suggestions brought up there we're looking forward to it and until we hear from you take care of yourselves pretty soon you're going to get your shot and resume more of a normal life so look forward to that thanks you guys send us presents and swag that's what you need to tell them i just have to say that you're um you're dating yourself by saying www because no one says that anymore. I know, <laughs> but I do it anyways. I, I actually do know that nobody says that, okay. and I just don't. I love it then. Then, then I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> no, if you're doing it on purpose, I, I, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I think, I think Twitter even cuts it out. If you tried to put www no, into it gets a rid Twitter of it, yeah. thing, it cuts it right off. It doesn't even bother. <laughs>